Good morning, church family. Please turn with me to Exodus chapter 17. You can find it in your pew Bible on page 59. Exodus chapter 17, verse 1. All the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of Sin by stages, according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped at Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore, the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people grumbled against Moses and said, Why do you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. He called the name of the place Massa and Meribah because of the quarreling of the people of Israel and because they tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek, while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed, and whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it, while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it, the Lord is my banner, saying, a hand upon the throne of the Lord the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. The word of the Lord. Exodus. Exodus. We have been traveling through this book before our Advent break, and now we're back into it here in February. Uh, if you've been, been coming to Grace for a while, you've been traveling with the Israelites from slavery out of Egypt, now into the wilderness, from slavery to glory. So we're getting there. We're moving. The Lord has rescued them. That's chapters 1 through 15. Now the Lord will test them, chapters 15 through 18. So they're in the wilderness. They're being tested by God in the wilderness. So last week, we looked at a couple of these tests, 
Pastor Mark called it the wilderness school. The wilderness school. Are you in the wilderness school this morning? And the answer is yes, you are. You are. Because as Christians, we are not in Egypt. We are not enslaved. We are not enslaved to sin or to death. And at the same time, we're not yet in the promised land. So we are in the wilderness. So every single person in here, every single Christian in here is in this season of testing from the Lord. Whether, whether you've realized that or not, you are. Maybe this is the first time you're hearing it. I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> but it's true. Uh, most of us know that that's true. We, just, we know that because we know that our lives are not always so great. We are living between the promise and the fulfillment, aren't we? God has made promises to us that have not yet been totally fulfilled, and so we're, we're living in that space. And so the question becomes, how do we navigate that space? How do we live in that hard, that hard space between promise and fulfillment? And, and often we're left asking the same questions the Israelites asked, and he called the name of the place Massah Meribah because of the quarreling of the people of Israel and because they tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord among us or not? Now, if we're honest, we, we've probably all asked that question at some point in our lives. If you haven't, you will. You will. Maybe, maybe you're young, you haven't gotten there yet, or, or I don't know. But if we're honest, I think we can all say that we've asked this question, where is God in this? Is God here? And maybe it's a, bi maybe it's a big tragic event like an earthquake, or maybe it's a, a, a spe very specific thing in your own life. It can, it can be it can be whatever it can be big it can be small it can be small to everybody else but huge to your own heart and you're left wondering is the Lord among us and when we are left in the wilderness when we are traveling through the wilderness asking scratching our heads asking the question is the Lord among us or not we basically have two options and those are we can test God or we can trust God. We can test God or we can trust God. So the title of our sermon this morning is Trust, Don't Test the Lord. Trust, Don't Test the Lord. Lesson number one, I'm keeping it simple. Don't test the Lord. <laughs> okay? We're just going to keep it simple. Verse 1, all the congregation, they're moving through the wilderness by stages. They camp. There's no water for the people to drink. Verse 2, the people quarreled with Moses or against Moses and said, give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? Why do you test the Lord? Now, if you were here last week, you, this is the same word as last week. In, in chapter 15, God tests them. In chapter 16, God tests them. So 15, I'm gonna, I'm, test, I'm gonna bring the people through the wilderness to test them. Chapter 16, I'm going to test them. And then the manna story. God tests them 
Here, they're trying to flip the tables, and they're trying to test the Lord. This word test means that you're placed into a situation that will reveal who you are. That's what testing is. Who are you? What's in, in the book of Deuteronomy, God said, I took Moses, I took the people through the wilderness to test what was in their hearts. So God tests us to see what's in our hearts. That is a regular pattern of what God does in your life. Did you know that? God led them there. Did you notice that? Verse 1, God led them to another place without sufficient resources. He led them to another place where there is no water. Not no cable TV, (laughs) no water. I mean, you need this to live. These aren't luxuries. This is a test. This is a true test. It's a repeat test. And, and if, you, if, you, if you've ever read Exodus and Numbers, this whole food and water test, it's going to come up over and over and over again. Same test, different day. That's how God does it. I'm, I'm, I love you, Joy, but I'm married to the same woman every day. <laughs> And she is married to me every day. I got the same four kids every day. I have the same job every day. I live in the same house every day. I minister at the same church every day. Some of you, some of you, you're driving the same broken down car you've been driving. Dishwasher's still broke. Kids still don't listen. Husband still doesn't listen. Same test, different day. Right? God, why do we have to go through this again? Well, because you haven't learned it yet. <laughs> I'm, I'm still revealing to you what's in your heart. That's why. So they decide they want to put God to the test. God is testing their faithfulness. Let's test His. Prove yourself, God. Show us the water. Where is the water? God promised them that He would be with them. Back in chapter 3, at the burning bush, God said to Moses, Moses, I will be with you. I am never going to leave you, Moses. This is, this, that is the promise of God to Moses. And their question here is, is God with us? In other words, God, you made a promise, prove yourself. And, we're, and we, we've read it, and we're thinking, yeah, but look, you guys are dumb because He was with you in Egypt. He was with you um, with the Passover. He was with you through the sea. He was, he was with you at the oasis. He was with you with the, with the bitter water made sweet. He was with you with the manna. He's been with you every step of the way. Why? Why are you questioning God now? But let's just be honest. Don't we all do the same thing? As soon as it gets hard again, we, we blow it, and we try to solve on our own, don't we? Prove it, God. 
Is he here or not? Is God here or not? Is he listening or not? God, do you care or not? Where's the water? There's lots of ways that we can test God. Jesus Jesus came up out of the baptism waters, Matthew chapter 3, and then then Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, it says, God the Holy Spirit led Jesus where? Into the wilderness to be what? Tested. And the devil comes and he tests Jesus. And he tests them in, in basically three ways. And I think that these are, these are instructive for us. There's, these are ways that we can test God. Jesus is hungry. Jesus is, hasn't eaten. And the devil says to him, change the stones into bread. Do you remember that? This is your first time hearing the story. Matthew, it's in Matthew chapter 4. So change the stones into bread. In other words, in, in other words if you are the Son of God, Jesus... Your, your dad doesn't want you to suffer. Just change the stones to bread, and this will all be over. Sometimes I think we get into that mindset of, God doesn't want us to suffer, does He? God would never let His child suffer. God would never let us be hungry and thirsty, would He? And so, I need to grab control. I need to change my situation. I need to turn my stone into bread. But Jesus' response is telling because He takes it to a spiritual plane off of the earthly plane and into the spiritual plane, and He says, no, man doesn't live by bread alone. He quotes Deuteronomy. He quotes wilderness. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Is it possible that God is putting you through suffering so that you will turn away from the earthly solutions and and resolve to be satisfied by the Word of God? Is that possible? The next test came. Satan took Jesus up on top of a mountain and said, throw yourself off the cliff and the angels will catch you. God will protect me test. Have you ever done this one? As long as I'm in the will of God, nothing bad can happen. Well, tell that to Jim Elliot. Tell that to missionaries. Tell that to pastors in China. Tell that to Jesus. To Paul. I'm not… I, I'm, I'm not going to wear my seatbelt because God will protect me. I'm not going to lock my doors at night because God will protect me. I don't, I'm not going to get vaccinated because God will protect me. Okay, listen, listen. Get vaccinated, don't get vaccinated. I don't care. And it's part of your, uh, your Christian liberty. You can decide. But Christian, listen to me. Listen to me. I, I'm saying this out of love. As soon as we say, I'm not going to do that because God will protect me, you're testing God. You're testing God. You're saying, this, this will make God do something. Just be careful. That's all I'm saying. The third test 
He takes Jesus on top of the temple and says, Satan takes Jesus on top of the temple and says, bow down to me. Ironically, I think one of the greatest tests of our faith is that we worship our faith over worshiping God. We worship our faith over worshiping God. We trust our faith over trusting God. I'll say it over here. We trust our faith over trusting God. If I just have enough faith, God will come through. If I just believe for it, it will happen. There's entire theologies, there's entire TV networks, there's entire radio stations dedicated to this lie. And you all are sucking it in, I'm sucking it in. Name it, claim it, word of faith. And it's even more evil twin. I didn't have enough faith, that's why my loved one died. Because I didn't pray hard enough. Do not test the Lord. The Lord will do what He has promised to do. Your faith does not change His promise. Your faith is not God's new promise to you. Are you hearing me? In the wilderness, we can test God or we can trust God. Don't test God. Trust God. Number two, trust Jesus, your Savior. Like I said, I'm keeping it simple. Christian, we need to trust God insofar as He has been revealed in Christ. Trust God insofar as He has been revealed in Christ. Christ, the Word of God, is the revelation of God. Amen? It is true. It is right. It is holy. Beyond this is the person of Christ. The person of Christ is the final and greatest revelation of God. Okay. I trust God according to this book and according to the life and death and resurrection of Christ. If it's not in here and it's not in Christ, I'm not going to test God with it. You with me? I get cancer. If I just believe, God will take away the cancer. Does the Bible say that? No. Does Christ promise that? I mean, one day in heaven, (laughs) one day in heaven, I'll be free of cancer right? But being in Christ does not spare us trouble, heartache, disease in this life, does it? And so, if it, if it is not in Scripture and not in Christ, I'm not testing the Lord with it. I want to trust Jesus as my Savior, and that's what the people in the wilderness are going to learn to do. You say, wait a minute, Brady, there's no Jesus in Exodus 17. Oh, yes, there is. Oh, yes, there is. 1 Corinthians 10. We read this a few weeks ago, before Christmas. 
Listen as I read it. 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 4. This is Paul talking to the Corinthian church. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that our fathers, the Israelites, were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea, the Red Sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food, manna, all drank the same spiritual drink. Listen, listen, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them. That rock was Christ. What just happened? <laughs> what? Paul is challenging the Christians, don't be like the Israelites who were not satisfied with Christ, but instead quarreled and complained and wanted every other, every other form of satiation, every other satis satisfaction other than Christ Jesus. Don't be like that. And he brings up this story of the rock that gave them water. The rock was Christ. How? Let's go back through the story. Verse 2. The people quarrel with Moses. Look at Exodus 17, 2. The people quarrel with Moses. That word quarrel is a strong word. It means it's, it's trial language. It's judgment language. In other words, they want to put him on trial. Moses, we're going to put you on trial. And Moses at one point even says, uh, verse 4, they are ready to kill me. They are going to have their own vigilante justice out here in the desert. It's a lynch mob. Verse 5, so God tells Moses to gather the elders, and he says, get the staff. Get the staff in your hand. Oh, now you did it. Mm-mm-mm. Because we all know what the staff means. The staff. You remember the staff? You can see Moses, right? You remember the staff? I hit the Nile. Bud. I wave my staff. Flies and frogs show up. Egyptians in the middle of the sea. I hit it with my staff. They all dead. They are dead. Y'all are going to die. I got my staff. Get the elders, get your staff, Moses. Meet me at the rock. But what happens next, church, is shocking. It is literally shocking. Verse 6, behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb. So God, in the cloud, this is what Paul's talking about. God was in the cloud. Christ was in the cloud. And the cloud settled upon the rock. What's happening? The rock is, be, is taking the place of God. The rock becomes associated with the glory cloud. The rock now becomes the physical thing that represents God. Are you with me? 
God is on the rock. The rock is now representing God. That's why Paul will say, the rock was Christ. And then the next phrase, it should say this. It should say, Moses, start cracking skulls. (laughs) Bop, bop. How dare you complain? Bop. It's not what it says. I told you it's shocking. And you shall strike the rock. You know Moses was ready to start hitting people. Strike the rock. Strike me. God is saying, Moses, hit me. Hit me. Don't hit the people. Hit me. Strike me. And when you strike me, out will flow rivers of living water. Woo! Strike the rock. The rock is Christ. Is God with us or not? Is God for me or not? Does God care or not? How do we know? Because God said, hit me. Strike me. God struck God on the cross. God took your place. Jesus was stricken for you. The Bible says that when Jesus was on the cross, the soldier took the spear. It's literally the same word, the word for staff and the word for spear. And he took the spear and he pierced Jesus' side. Do you remember? And out of Jesus flowed water. When God struck Jesus, out of Jesus flowed living water. Look, do you want to put God to the test today? Test the cross. Put the cross to the test. I dare you. Put the cross to the test. Test the cross in your life. Do you want to be free from guilt and shame? Go to the cross. Do you want to be free from unforgiveness and bitterness? Go to the cross. Test the living waters of the cross. Do you need to be humbled this morning? Is pride killing you? Is your pride destroying every relationship you have? Test the cross. Go to the waters of Christ. Do you feel unloved this morning? Do you feel like nobody's on your side? Do you feel like you're all alone in the world? Run to the cross. Drink the living water of Christ. He said, come to me, all you who are thirsty, and drink. Listen to me. Everything else you're trying to to use in your life to satisfy, it's, it's it's like salt water. It's like being adrift on the ocean with no water, and you're trying to quench your thirst with salt water. Your money your status, your good looks, your fame, your popularity, your religion, your moralism. It's all of it, and all of it eventually will just dry you out. Just dry you out till from the inside out, you just wither away. But Jesus will always satisfy. Jesus' love is always true, 
always pure, always there. Jesus' is, Jesus is holiness, Jesus' is righteousness given to you is always there. It doesn't come and go. We don't lose it and get it back. It's there. It's constant. Nothing else in your life is constant, is it? But Jesus is. His forgiveness, the forgiveness of God, a God that would say, hit me, hit me instead. A God who could have, could have said, hit them, says, hit me. Have you drank from that fountain? What fountain are you drinking from today? If you're not drinking from the fountain of Jesus, I invite you to start. He will satisfy your soul. I promise you. That is, that is the promise of God that you can put to the test. <laughs> that Jesus will satisfy your soul. Amen? Lesson three. Trust Jesus, your warrior. In verse eight, the Amalekites attack. It seems very random. It's like, whoa, what just happened? We're having this great moment in the wilderness, drinking water. <laughs> And then suddenly, out of nowhere, we're getting attacked. Here they come. What's happening? Well, we don't know a lot. There's not a lot here. We know the, same, the account of the same thing in Deuteronomy says that the Amalekites started, a, it was like guerrilla warfare. They started attacking the fringes of the assembly. They started picking off the stragglers, it says. And so they're going after the weakest, most vulnerable parts of the Israelite community. We know from the Bible that the Amalekites, these are descendants of Esau. So Esau had a son, and his son had a son named Amalek. The Amalekites, maybe they thought maybe they, thought they had the right to the promised land. We're descendants of Abraham just as much as you guys. Or maybe they just are worried about limited resources or maybe they're just mean. We don't know. Why is God letting this happen, though? See, every time we read a Scripture, we read these stories in Scripture, we want to interpret it historically for sure. But Christian, keep in mind, the Bible's not a history book. It doesn't give us all the details, does it? Often it just gives us one or two lines. The Bible is a theology book. It's a book about God. And so we have to ask ourselves, what is God doing here? What is God's purpose? And here's what we know. If we've been tracking all through Genesis and Exodus, way back in Genesis 3, God said, look, there's going to be the offspring of the serpent who will go after the offspring of the woman. A huge theological concept is thrown out. So here's what we know. All throughout the Bible, God's people, the Israelites, are going to be attacked by Satan. He wants them destroyed. That was Egypt. That was slavery. And there's no going back to slavery. God has rescued them from Egypt once and for all. These Israelites are never going to be slaves in Egypt again. But they're still Amalekites. They're still Amalekites. And Amalekites will attack you at your weak spots. Satan will attack you at your weak spots. 
How many of you have ever experienced this in your life? Yeah. They are not slaves. Look, these Israelites are no longer slaves, are they? They are a free people, but they are in a battle. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound like your life? You are free, Christian. You are free, but you are in a battle. You are in a battle. What's the solution? Guess what? The staff. The staff. How do these two, two stories connect? They seem, they seem so random. Why are they side by side? The staff. The staff is the connecting piece. Verse 9, so Moses said to Joshua, choose men, go out and fight. I, tomorrow, I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. Notice, that, notice how instinctual it's becoming for Moses. There's no word from the Lord. He doesn't go to God and say, what should we do? He just knows, hey, hey, the staff seems to work. <laughs> We didn't have any water, and the staff gave us water. So I'm grabbing my staff. I'll be on top of the hill, and I will hold the staff in my hand. And he gets up on top of that hill. So again, historically, maybe the staff is a symbol from the general to the troops. Staff up, move forward, troops. Staff down, retreat, troops. The staff is up. Joshua's winning. Gets tired. <laughs> Joshua, Joshua's confused. Ah, oh, am I supposed to retreat? What do I do? Joshua starts losing. Ah, Aaron, her, quick. Aaron and her, grab. Mark, Joy, come on, grab my arms. Quick, quick. We can't do it. Quick, help me. Ah, wait, get me a chair. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Moses is on the mountain. The arms are up. He's got to keep them up. When, he, when the arms are up, Joshua's winning. When the arms are down, he's, it, he says, get me a rock. Isn't that interesting? They took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. I don't think that's coincidence. I don't think that a stone just saved their lives, and now he's sitting on a stone. I don't, I, don't think, I don't think that's coincidence. They put it under him. He sat on it. Aaron and her are raising his hands. Verse 13, and Joshua overwhelmed the Amalekites. Wow. Wow. The same Savior who was struck for them. See, the staff, the staff is the connection. God struck God to give them living water. God struck God, and now that God will fight for them. That same God becomes their banner. Yahweh Nisi, the Lord is my banner. The same God who would die for you will crush evil for you. The same God that would be crushed by evil for you is now crushing evil for you. Do you believe that, Christian? Do you understand that? What do we do? What do we do in this spiritual battle that we live in? 
Well, let me propose to you that we, are, that we should be like Moses, that we should be like Moses. Our Joshua, by the way, did you know Joshua and Jesus are the same name? Yeshua, Jesus, Jesus, same name. Our Joshua is fighting the battle. What is our role? We sit on the rock with our hands lifted high in faith in praise to God with our spiritual friends around us, <laughs> strengthening our arms because we can't do it alone, can we? We can't do it alone. Alone our arms will drop. Alone our, our, our eyes will go off the banner, won't they? And we trust. We trust. We're about to sing a song, I Will Trust My Savior Jesus. And it's so, and it's so beautiful, so gorgeous, because it says as a simple line, I will trust Him, simply trust Him. Christian, that's the Christian life. Trust Jesus, simply trust Jesus. Trust that his, the same God that poured out the water of love upon you and rescued you, trust God that that same love is now fighting for you. Let that water nourish you. Keep your eyes on the banner of His love. His banner over me is love, Song of Songs says. Keep your eyes on that love of God poured out for you, that love of Christ that fills every longing. And when that love goes into you, when you keep your eyes on it and you raise it high, the weak parts of your life where the Amalekites, where Satan wants to attack, those worries, those fears, those bitternesses, those, those relational scars, guess what's going to happen? The water of Christ's love is going to start to bring healing to all of those areas, isn't it? The more and more you trust it. And that love will bring you all the way home into the arms of Jesus, won't it, church? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, you are our Savior. First, you are our Savior. You took our place. You, you, you took the beating. You, you were stricken for us. Your life poured out. May each of us every single day turn our eyes to our Savior Jesus. Jesus, you are also our warrior. We stand. We watch you fight. We sit on the rock. We watch you go. We keep our eyes on the banner. You are our Joshua, fighting. Lead us to rest. May we heed the warning in the book of Hebrews that we, we don't miss out on rest because of our grumbling, because of our complaining, because of all the ways we try to test God. God, may we, instead of testing you, may we test the cross. May we test how that cross has brought never-ending love and mercy and grace into our hearts. And may that bring healing, quenching to our souls. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will be filled. Jesus, be our righteousness. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for all that you have done, all that you are doing, all you will do. We trust you. We pray this in your matchless name. Amen.